Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. beautiful day today the sun is shining the bunting is out there are flags in the streets people are having barbecues and they've got i've seen live bands in the streets and it's probably because of the jubilee that is happening this weekend is it this I'm trying to think is it the silver jubilee it's or the platinum platinum and then what comes next unobtainium <laughs> jubilee i think it will be for our match well <laughs> in my mind it's all because this is the 100th episode of Games on Film. And for this special occasion, we are doing the first ever Games on Film Awards. Uh, the Goffers, I've christened it. And that's how it's staying, because we haven't come up with anything better. Yes, I suppose. Well, Our Majesty, Her Royal Highness, has only made it to 70 years on the throne we've reached 100 episodes so who's better i mean clearly us and i think (laughs) she'd agree if we were to ask do we get i'll reach out to her on twitter see what she says slide into the queen's dms i was just sorry i know you've got a lot on queen but uh, (laughs) what do you think i was just trying to think if there was mention of the queen and i i do believe it's in street fighter when Bison decides to pay in Bison Bucks. Uh-huh. And he says, well, each Bison Buck will be worth a thousand British pounds once the Queen bows oh. down to me. Something like that. Well, that's, that's sort of deep trivia going to get in this episode. <laughs> because I think few people have watched quite as many video game movies as us by now. I know there's some... Um, video game movie podcasts out there i was trying to i was trying to reach for like a polite way of saying them but they're they're inferior (laughs) grossly inferior to us but you know there's a lot of love out there but i think after this is technically a hundred of the first recording and i know not every single one of our episodes has featured a video game movie or tv show but i'm still very proud (laughs) and and humbled Humbled by myself, <laughs> but also this is like worse than Boris Johnson <laughs> excusing his parties. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, I mean, we, we shut down our podcast for a lockdown for a little while, didn't we? We had to, over the course of these few years, we've uh, moved to, to recording separately quite a lot. But today we are together. But no, we've we've watched so many films. I can't believe. There's so many video game movies out there and TV shows and we are moving into even more. It seems like not a week goes by that something else gets announced and we sort of sigh and think this is never going to end. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we had a discussion like we, we might not do some of them, I'm sorry to say. It was our plan to watch them all, but they just keep making films. I love these, these movie studios <laughs> with their... 
I mean, I guess I'm really worried actually that video game movies are going to become the new sort of superhero films and then just just not stop. I would say we need to stop giving the studios money so they don't continue them. But considering most of our purchases are 50p from CES, I don't think they're really raking in the big bucks from old purchases of the King of Fighters on DVD. Exactly. Well, also, you don't often go to like award shows where the hosts are sort of saying, please stop doing this. <laughs> Stop making your cheese, he starts at the International Cheese Fest Awards. But no, we're here. We want more. We we like, you know, we like the punishment, basically. And I think it's also a way to recognise films which don't usually trouble the big awards providers. And actually, I do have some stats. Okay. I'm going to throw at your face. But... Video game movies nominated for Oscars. Brilliant. Now, as far as I can tell, no movie based on a video game has been nominated for an Oscar. What, in any category? In any category. Oh, it's it's almost as bad as horror. Um, Horror and video games getting snubbed. We do have, though, nominations for movies which are inspired by video games, which we also cover on the podcast. Uh And... Most recently, Free Guy for its visual effects. And in the animated feature categories, you had Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph. Ready Player One nominated for visual effects. Tron Legacy nominated for sound editing only. Tron Original for best costume design and best sound. If we are including Tommy, the uh, Who rock opera musical, which does involve pinball. um, That was nominated for best actress and best music. But um, War Games was the one which received the most nominations for Best Screenplay, Cinematography, and Sound. But again, still no wins in any category for movies inspired by or based on video games. I can just imagine like the director of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 tearfully accepting his reward for all, dr- all dreamers out there who, want to dream- who dream of taking an IP and monetizing it to a higher degree than they ever could think possible. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 is going to be the return of the king of video game movies and win 13 or so Oscars to make up for all the video game movies neglected in the past. I thought you meant... I didn't realise you were referencing uh, Lord of the Rings there. I thought, who's the king of Sonic? (laughs) (laughs) The return of the king. Knuckles. Knuckles. Um, Great. So we've got a few categories here. We've got quite a bit to get through, but... I have to say, there's some difficult choices, some difficult uh, edits, cuts. What is the word I was trying to reach? You know, we, we might come to blows. It's actually quite dangerous that we're in the same room now <laughs> because we might throw down for a showdown or possibly even a hoedown, which I added just because it rhymes. This is a, a glimpse behind the scenes because we have these categories. We've agreed between us the nominees for each category. But we have not yet revealed our hand or even quite had any thoughts whatsoever about who we're going to crown the winner of each category. So here's a little glimpse into the process and you'll be able to, you know, have a peek into our minds as we debate some really tough, (laughs) important categories, which I know all these video game movies and people involved with them are dying to win. I know, and I've done my best to ignore all the advertising in variety for our, my <laughs> consideration, like for Rampage, 
to appear or um, Blood Rain or, you know, I know they spend a lot of money. I know it's basically in these award ceremonies, usually it's whoever campaigns the hardest gets the gold. But here we've deliberately avoided any such influence. Oh, you didn't get the bribe from the makers of Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life? Oh, was that what that big uh, bow and arrow <laughs> and on oh, no, a crater of life? I'm getting my Tomb Raiders confused. Gosh, I don't. I hope we don't have like a moonlight slash La La Land situation. <laughs> fumble my announcement when I meant the wrong Tomb. The winner Raider. is Tomb Raider. Which one? Oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, this is, this is live though edited, so anything can happen. <laughs> or be inserted by Rory in the edit, or whoever edits this thing. But anyway, <clears throat> without further ado, we're here to the first category of the evening. Uh, we ordered a red carpet, but it didn't arrive. I think Amazon are delivering it tomorrow. <laughs> so we had to just go into the flat, and um, I'm not wearing uh, anyone important, I guess, Models own <laughs> uh, shorts, socks, uh, a hoodie, um, and Rory's dressed as Rory tends to dress. <laughs> it's my residual self-image. <laughs> so, first category. So as we know, in video game movies, the, the best way to create claustrophobia is to keep things contained, ideally within the coastline of an island. So the first category of the Goffers is the best island. And we have Shang Tsung's Island from Mortal Kombat 95. Yamate. Yamate? Yam, yam, Yamatai. <laughs> Yamatai. Yamatai from Tomb Raider 2018. Bird Island from the Angry Birds films. Uh, the Nameless Island from Dead or Alive. And the Isla del Morte from House of the Dead. Now, some of these would count as holiday... De- actually, no. Where would you... I think the only one you want to have a holiday at is the Dead or Alive Island. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> it, okay, so in determining what is the best island, are we thinking best place we'd like to be, we'd like to stay? What would be nicest if whatever horrible thing that was happening on that island wasn't happening yeah i mean also i'm disturbed how shang Tsung's island doesn't have a name um imagine if it was revealed to be like isla sauna from jurassic park or something <laughs> and just around the corner like ian hammond ian hammond's leased his jurassic his island out to uh, a mortal Kombat tournament <laughs> and i think that's where things really fell apart <laughs> reptile Reptile on like his flipping uh, raid and causes the storm that sets off the dinosaurs. Anyway, sidetracked already. I mean, Bird Island is a really happy place, and it's only our main character Red who really hates it. Um, but I also like raves and cemetery. So Isla de Morte is also a, you know that's just two boxes ticked right there. But Isla de Morte, like, I don't know, it's, isn't it just sort of off in Canada or something? It doesn't look like... It's not a hot island. It's not like when you imagine desert island discs, you don't imagine Isla <laughs> del Morte. Yes. And you can take a copy of the Bible. <laughs> That's an interesting topic. And the works I'm, of Shakespeare. I've never really given any consideration to what the desert island would be. I've just imagined I mean, this... It's, it's what Lauren Laverne's got in her mind the whole time. Yeah, Isla de Morte... <laughs> She's got a sick mind. Um, 
I'm going to strike off Yamate right away. There's All it seems going for it is a kind of a quarry or a deadly tomb or there's like a plane which collapses. Um, I think the sort of like the paradise islands you have are Shang Tsung's Bird Island and DOA Dead or Alive Island. And I think like Bird Island is probably the safest yes. of the three. It's got that lovely... Shout out also to Piggy Island. Mm-hmm. That's got its own thing going. I'm going to vote for Shang Tsung's. Because there is the risk that you could die in a fighting tournament. But outside the tournament, it's probably okay. Outside of the tournament, it's picturesque. It's got, I mean, like, maybe not the spooky mountain. It's got a great kitchen, that massive... Um, <laughs> all that food just gets immediately thrown off the table by Sub-Zero's ice heads. I, 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 I sort of feel like if I went to the equivalent of the Harry Potter studio tour, but it was... Recreating the set oh. and location oh. of Mortal Kombat 1995. Oh. I think that would appeal to me most. I've been on that studio tour and it's literally the most magical thing I've ever experienced. But I won't go again because I'm not funding J.K. Rowling's future endeavours. But <laughs> if they said, we've rebranded it, it's now Shang Tsung's uh, Hogwarts experience. I mean, you could turn Hogwarts' dining hall into basically where Sub-Zero demonstrates his power in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, okay. I think we're going for the OG Shang Tsung's Nameless Island <laughs> in Mortal Kombat 95. From this moment on, my island will be your battleground. Liu Kang, you will be first. Let Mortal Kombat begin. You're up next. Uh, next category. So, as well as islands... When you do so many video game movies, etc., you tend to notice trends. So we noticed that a lot of these plots involve violence. We also noticed that a lot of these plots involve, in some capacity, super army soldiers. And by super army soldiers, we mean grunt force type enemies or henchmen who also have some kind of genetic engineering or mutation or they're just undead. So this category is best mutant or zombie or super soldier. A lot of them look like me when I've got my shirt off. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, the rotting flesh. Eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. But um... So the nominees are Mutant Men from Far Cry. I don't know if that's their actual name. They're kind of like sort of pasty looking and you can shoot them in the face and they won't react. But their eyes, you shoot them in the eyes and they don't like that. Okay. That's their weakness. Okay, my weak point is also my eyes. <laughs> we have Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. Yeah, borderline. <laughs> <laughs> we have Fly's Eyes from Castlevania, as well as the rest of Isaac's army of demonic minions. Nightwalkers or something? Something like that. We're going to get a lot of our terminology mixed up. Yeah, we didn't go back and watch every single movie or TV show or listen to every episode. Uh, Zachary Quinto as John Smith in Hitman Agent 47. <laughs> and we have a grab bag of Resident Evil favourites. We have the Russian army zombies from Resident Evil Retribution. The Sandy zombies yeah. from Resident Evil Extinction. And Nemesis from Resident Evil Apocalypse. We've bundled into one bunch. Because they've all got T-Virus in them, so... Yeah. 
That's yeah, what's their thing. An alphabet soup of viruses. <laughs> um, I enjoyed how you went all like the charts in the, in, the, in the middle there. Have you had your vitamin A, B, C, and D virus? Um, no, I mean, I've, I've, I take multivitamins. <laughs> they probably got T virus in there. Great. Um, so best. Look at these guys. I mean, we, I think we do have to scratch off the mutant men from Far Cry right away. Um, I don't want to always go for the hits, <laughs> but They're hits for a reason. Yeah, I just I I dimly remember they were just they looked like bodybuilders who had also um, seen a ghost because they're so scared and had gone white as a sheet. Um, so, I mean, you said, well, what about Pyramid Head? I mean, I'm sure he's wondering if he's a zombie or not, or a, like my mum says, I'm a super soldier. <laughs> His mum being like a triangle head and her dad, I don't know, a square cube. <laughs> I think it's just, is it, yeah, muscly monster can count. Which kind of rules out Zachary Quinto. I forgot he was like, well, he's a, he's not a zombie or anything. He's a super soldier. He's got, does he have Kevlar skin? I Yeah, I think something like that. He's got bulletproof skin. <laughs> Um, well, also just like the hitman things, they're all, but are they, they're kind of genetically engineered or are they, uh, trained or both? <laughs> I think 40, I think agent number one to 40 was just trained. <laughs> and then okay. just 41 to 47. Now let's mess with their DNA. Yeah. Um, they got quite good results. <laughs> um... I don't know, for some reason, even though I was defending Pyramid Head, I kind of want to scratch him off a bit. I feel like he's... He's no... I know in the sequel, he kind of is there to defend our hero, I but I feel like he's just this sort of... He's not under anyone's command, so I, I, I just... I don't know. Am I, am I showing my pyramid prejudice here? <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on whether or not... No, I, I didn't ever really... Considered him thus. Considered him thus. Okay. Um, I guess, like, his counterpoint in Resident Evil is, you know, he is the sort of, in some respect, the tyrant Mm. uh, version. And in Nemesis, that is definitely a mutant zombie super soldier all in one. I've now got images of Pyramid Head with a Mr. X-style top hat atop of his topmost point, (laughs) like in the remake of the game. How would, yeah, it's like, how would a dog wear trousers? It's like, which <laughs> which prong would, how would Pyramid wear Head wear a hat? Or a scuba diving kit. Um, uh, here's the thing. I think I remember us thinking that I, I liked the design of Nemesis in Apocalypse, but he actually looked kind of daft. And I feel that Pyramid Head doesn't look daft. He looks scary. Uh, we've also mentioned Fly's Eyes, which you might not remember, but in, I think it was season three of Castlevania, and he shows up again in four. He's the, one of the few sort of demons who has an extended chat with Isaac, kind of about how he was a human soul then sent to hell, come back again. So it was very philosophical. Um, and so I think it's the only one of these characters who philosophizes at all. But is that enough to win? What's your gut feeling, Rory? I would sort of say the most interesting candidate, maybe not the most representative of this particular 
subgenre of villain is probably fly toys. And I think I kind of like the fact that there's a bit more going on with that creature and the others in Isaac's army that make for a more interesting opponent or, you know, it's, it's whether you think they're evil or not, considering it's in a world of, of vampires and other monsters and, you know, everyone's mm. not great. Yeah, I think even though he's a slave of Isaac, ultimately, because he controls the Nightwalkers, uh, he doesn't seem to hate that. And I think it's more that he's, he has got a certain agency because he's got the ability to speak. So, despite... I don't know, despite nothing, I think he's winning. <laughs> I think Fly's Eyes for the win. Okay. Including all of um, the undead army of Isaac. Well done there. <laughs> Do you remember who you were before you went to hell? I almost do. It's like I remember how it was to dream and to remember moments of the dream, but never the entire play. Um, Great job. I'm up next. We've got the Game Over Award for the most awkward acknowledgement of video game origins. So, like when a character says, this ain't no game. And up in the running, we've got the Rampage arcade machine in the film Rampage. Uh, you've written here, Hitman Kids playing Hitman in the, ma- in the game Hitman. And Do you want to have another run at that? No! Uh, next up, we've got Street Fighter, where Bison has a, an arcade stick and shouts game over when he's controlling his underwater mines. Um, we've got random clips of House of the Dead firing off in the film House of the Dead. And finally, we've got the first person shooter sequence in the original movie Doom. I say original movie <laughs> uh, based on the video game, but you know what I mean. There's been a Couple of Doom movies. Um, it's funny the Doom first-person sequence because it is awkward, but there's now been films like Hardcore Henry, which are all about that, and they're not based on a video game. Although maybe it's in the in the ether of video game stuff. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think the kind of idea of this is. If this was not a video game movie, would it be in here? And I think if Doom was not a video game movie, it would not be in there because they wouldn't think to do that because it's not a clever enough movie. <laughs> um, so it's it's whether it's awkward that it exists because it's a Doom movie rather than it's awkward that it exists in motion picture history. <laughs> I love the idea that any of these are in motion picture history but I I don't know I'm conflicted because I think it would be the moment that people would talk about regardless if it ever existed in even regardless of the fact whether sure. it was a video game movie but I would think then but even if that happened you'd think why is this technique being used just here I think with the other nominees it's a kind of case like there is no reason for M. Bison to be controlling these mines with an arcade stick mm. and then shout game over 
without him knowing that he's in a video game movie. <laughs> to an extent, because I think, yes, what you know, people have controlled stuff with controllers in yeah. in, in other capacities. Ghostbusters and 2, he uses... And but in Ghostbusters 2, they control... The Statue of Liberty with an Ar- Nez Arcade thingy, as as you as you as you would. Um, I think the uh, the questions. I think in the other two, I think the fact that there is a Rampage arcade machine in the film Rampage throws up certain questions, but it's not necessarily the case that just because we have a giant mutant wolf and lizard and ape running a mark that that could not happen with the existence of a rampage yeah. video game it's not like they came out of the video game it's just like oh someone would say huh this is just like that old video game rampage it's a bit like star trek when people saw the original series and think oh they use communicators i'm gonna make a mobile phone but here they played rampage <laughs> i said i know what i want to do i'm gonna turn make monster mutants what's the mutants I think that I think I think worse is the existence of Hitman in the Hitman film mm. and Hitman game, and the fact that it's these kids playing that game, and it's that very specific character that they're playing, yes. and there's this kind of look of acknowledgement, and it's meant to be a secret fucking society, <laughs> <laughs> and they're putting out games. I have to make that money somehow. I know. It's also, just a big, like, bluff. Like, double bluff. I don't remember the scene well enough, but I can imagine they it's another situation where two people are playing one game. But also, I think, isn't that sequence they're in a hotel? So, I just... You would not bring a PC game or just... You just don't bring games consoles to hotels. If they've got... Don't you... Read the sign, kids. <laughs> no smoking or games consoles. I just... No. That actually even talking about it is quite annoys me. So... <laughs> so even though I think I've been on records of saying I went to see House of the Dead in the cinema with people who had no idea it was based on a video game and were really confused when these graphics of the game appeared. I think just... I'm annoyed enough to stake my claim to Hitman. I I think yeah, with the House House of the Dead is is probably the most kind of confusing way to kind of reference the game. I mean, they have like a Sega banner at the DJ rave. That's one thing. They yeah, Sega could be a sponsor of this weird rave happening on Isla del Muerte. Um, yeah, they were shocked to discover that the <laughs> Island of the Dead. Had like a d- evil house of laboratory and zombies experimenting, but that was an interesting sentence. <laughs> um, but I think the fact that you know these little flashes, these uh, you know, like a star wipe, except it's like a in-game graphic from House of the Dead two wipe, makes no sense. But in a way, it's not happening within the film itself. It's you, the viewer, who's seen this. It's not anyone else. So I think the Hitman thing is more crowbarred in, in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, let's... let's A, a shock decision. <laughs> yeah, even against the film where just video game clips are inserted in. But I, I agree. It's also in keeping with the tone of House of the Dead. It's bonkers already. But here, it, it, as I said, it just incredibly annoys me. <laughs> so, Hitman wins <laughs> that one. Our next category 
is the Ugly Sonic Award for Best Slash Most Egregious Cameo. I was very excited when I saw on Twitter that Ugly Sonic was showing up in the new Chippendale Rescue Rangers film because I think we've said how... What a shame it was that Ugly Sonic appears in one trailer and is never seen again. And the fact that he shows up so prominently a lot in that film, I was thrilled. So it shows you that dreams can come true, <laughs> prayers can be answered, you know. Hell is real. If I ever if I ever <laughs> if I ever in a situation where I, I get the attention of the Make a Wish Foundation, I don't know what I'm gonna ask for anymore. Because that's already been taken. So the nominees, the potentially spoilery nominees, but bear in mind, these don't impact the plot in any way. (laughs) I'm not going to watch this film anymore because I know this person cameos. In the film Uncharted, Nolan North. In the film Postal, Uwe Boll. In the film Free Guy, Chris Evans. In the film Choose or Die... Robert Eglund, in the film Pokemon the Movie, I Choose You, Peter Chew's Human Voice, (laughs) and in the film Spy Kids 3D, Bill Paxton. Hmm. Looking at this, I mean, yes, the joke one maybe is Peter Chew's Human Voice, but, like, I learnt about this, again, through the internet, that said, shockwaves when Pikachu talks. But if I recall, it's a dream sequence, isn't it? Yes. He doesn't actually talk. I think within the context of the film, it's not quite as bad. Or stand... I mean, it stands out for sure, because it's... uh, You know, it's shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Very apt, because it's Pikachu. It's the shocking animal, I think he's known by fans. (laughs) The shocking animal. (laughs) Peter Chew, the shocking animal. <laughs> um, I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> the shocking animal. Um, slightly off-brand face. Um, uh, appropriate for this category. Um, yeah. Well, also Bill Paxton, I think, is more egregious if you've not seen the other films. Yes. Like you have. I had not seen the previous Spy Kids film. And Spy Kids 3D is definitely at reaches a point of cameo stuffage because you have like George Clooney as the president briefly you have uh, Elijah Wood as the guy but you know Bill Paxton is included because he just arrives I I can't remember he's got rocket boots or a backpack because basically all the people from all the different Spiders movies basically all show up very briefly it did what blue screened on the end it did what Endgame did but like Arguably better. (laughs) Arguably more consistent. I would have loved it if um, flying out of a portal, like, Bill Paxton appears and just shouts, Did anyone ask for the Dinkler? Or is it Dinkster? The Dinkster. The Dinkster. The character Dinky Winks, played by by the much-missed and much-loved Bill Paxton. But see, the category is... Oh, gosh, we've, we've, we've painted ourselves into a corner here, listeners. It is best slash most egregious because now I've I've warmed to Bill Paxton now. I, I Bill Paxton's just in there because I think we see that clip of the Dinkster 
a lot on the internet. I think memes. it's like a sort of meme thing. But it, amongst all the other cameos that are happening at one moment, it's no more egregious than any other. Mm-hmm. But I think the one, I think the one that sort of stuck out most recently was Robert England in Choose or Die. But is it a that's... cameo if it's like a credit? Is in the main? Well, to an extent, because it's just like a vocal appearance. But I think I, I don't think it's necessarily a winner for this category. You can go back to our episode on Choose or Die to hear me talk at length about why I think it was a bad choice. <laughs> Not because of Robert England. Oh yeah, it breaks the timeline, but doesn't it, it? it? It does sort of like completely scupper the whole movie, in my, <laughs> in my eyes. The only reason why. I guess, looking at the other ones, Uwe Boll in Postal, playing himself, the director of the movie, talking with the creator of the game on which it's based on, that was potentially an awkward video game origins acknowledgement in of itself. But I feel like it's the vibe of the movie is that, so it doesn't stick out or doesn't like, you know, rupture uh, (laughs) everything that's happening around it because it makes perfect sense within a film that is just nonsensical. Yeah, and this is a film where like um, George W. Bush and... Osama Bin Laden are besties. <laughs> yes. But, uh, it's a very flexible world we've got already. Interesting, I noticed I when we recorded that episode, I downloaded Postal for my Nintendo Switch. You can't download it anymore. So the game, I think, continues to be either a, a licensing issue or just deeply controversial for Nintendo's tastes. Um, so I don't think... I mean, I did enjoy seeing Uwe Boll having fun talking about how he funded that film with Nazi gold, but um, I I know it's recent and it's still in mind, but maybe that Nolan North thing is really, really awkward. Um, it's not like the film says, hey, it's Nolan North. He's also play- He could be playing just a generic American beachgoer. To have, like, Tom Holland explain at length the action scene he's just been in, and then this random man on the beach just so happens to have done the same thing. It's so crappy. Love Nolan North. Hate that cameo. <laughs> and not a slight against his performance. I think it was just like a bad choice. Bad choice from on top high. to bottom. Yeah, I was going to say, probably you need to have Nolan North in here because people love seeing things they recognise. Uh, yes. or at least hearing things <laughs> hearing hearing someone they recognise I mean maybe it could have been like the Hitman thing where the character on the video game screen turns to the camera and says that sounds like something I did that's how, that's how he speaks in Uncharted <laughs> wow it's just like Nathan Drake was in the room <laughs> so I think we're going with Nolan North I, I think the Chris Evans cameo comes so quickly that you, you you know, it doesn't make you cringe as hard. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you found that segment of Free Guy, you would be cringing already before Chris Evans sort of showed up once mm. all the Disney IPs come at once. Yeah, but I'm tired of hearing about that bit. <laughs> so let's move on. Whoa, what the hell happened to you two? Fell out of a car that fell out of a plane? Huh, you know, something like that happened to me once. Good luck. 
So let's let's move on to things we love, and if we don't love anything more than crappy villain plots, <laughs> or we've got here our category is most diabolical plots, and we love our villains, as as you know, and um, villains tend to have evil pl- plots. I'm so good at these segues and these links. Wow, the auto cue is doing oh, a great job, Harry. I know. Um, but look, we, we had to go back and have a really hard think about some of the most impressive slash insane plots. And we have to remember, of course, that insanity can paper over a lot of bad plotting in films. You just think, oh, he's mad. So Koga Shuka from Dragon's gonna say den (laughs) he's out (laughs) Uh, from double dragon um kogashuko he want he i've written here mutations medallions and possessions because i think he wants these medallions to possess people and turns them into an ultimate warrior and i think he ultimately turns into a ninja which is quite quickly defeated by the brothers so yeah that he might not be a winner there. Uh, Dr. Victor Donovan from Dead or Alive, who uses nanobots inside Dead or Alive fighters to create the perfect warrior, it's a perfect warrior again, as, as long as they wear his special sunglasses because the moves of the nanobot warriors is really hard to describe. Um, you, you can predict other fighters' moves if you're wearing his branded wrap around sunglasses uh i think he gets the feet because they get knocked off which you should have seen that coming <laughs> the umbrella corporation um now we only really learn what their big plan is towards the end of the franchise that is the original paul w Sanderson franchise um they basically want to create a version of the great flood via zombies and clones and bioweapons and and maybe profiting from it i don't know but it seems to be some meetings during that series where they're not planning to wipe out all of humanity and start again. I mean, it doesn't help if you retcon your own uh, plot every movie. <laughs> Who retcons my five-year... Retcons? Retcons my five-year plan. Um, so we've also got... I had to look this up. Vertigo slash Tronics. From the film Arcade, Vertigo Tronics, they used the brain of a little boy who was murdered by his mother to power a video game. No, no comment. Uh, <laughs> Ken Castle is from our no. Ken Castle is from Gamer, who created nanobots for the brain this time, and it got rich off the uh, augmented reality or virtual reality games, society and slayers, and he wants to use the mind nanobots to control the minds of the entire world. Is that what he's doing? And he does a dance, <laughs> which is the most diabolical plot of all. Um, so yeah, a well, lot. A lot of these plots put the bollock and diabolic. So. <laughs> oh dear! Like, yes. How do you define diabolical? Well, you like Bond movies. True. All of those plots are diabolical. So, which one of these would fit? What? Which one of these can you imagine James Bond trying to defeat? It's actually really depressed me how like nanobots show up so much in modern Bond films because that seems like. Something I saw on Star Trek and people... Do, do, are nanobots actually real? It seems to be like 
an easy thing to put in your films. It's like, oh, I don't want a robot inside me. I think it's scientific enough that it seems real, but easy to understand enough that an audience will get it and not question it. So mm. you just kind of like... That nanobots are basically like the scientific boogeyman of modern movies like the Nazis once were. Yeah. <laughs> and we were now not... they're back in fashion. I don't want Nazis inside me, so floating around my bloodstream. Nazi nanobots. <laughs> no. Um, I know it seems like a... <laughs> when you start this category with a big sigh. Well, no. I was, I was a bit... I was just... I was not really at the categories at myself because I think I might be a basic bitch and just go for Umbrella Corporation because, if anything... I mean, at the end of the day, using the brain cells of a dead child to power a video game like, should have been a non-starter. <laughs> It, it, it shouldn't have got to even the, you know, planning stage, let alone they've made a game that's out there now. But not only do I quite like the scope of Umbrella, but I kind of, it reminds me of just a lot of organisations or maybe just bad people who just, rather than saying, no, let's stop now, they just double down <laughs> and keep going. And maybe I even believe a company retconning its own plan as it goes along. Like, what? I thought we were creating, like, a super soldier in, in Project Alice. No, it's the, the apocalypse. I ordered one apocalypse. <laughs> Not several. Not several. God, that film's all, those, that franchise all over the place. I mean, I, I, I quite enjoy... I quite enjoy the DOA plot. Because it is just... The scope is very limited... It just means you can, like, be really good at fighting, which has no kind of, like, practical application. As soon as you <laughs> entered, like, the Olympics, you'd be, oh, are you doping? It's just like, no, but I'm wearing my special sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, don't take the sunglasses. <laughs> it's like, no, I need these. <laughs> There's not really, like, much monetary gain or power. No, it's true. Unless that I can remember it. And it's so easily foiled by just <laughs> removing your glasses. Yeah. That- to I mean, me, but no, just kind of just ask again, like, it's, it's like, okay, you're the ultimate fighter. Now what? Yeah. It's, it's like the shot. most, <laughs> it's the most like Saturday morning cartoon plot. And in a way that like tickles me the most. No, that's a good point. It's a good point. Oh, should we go with, with Dead or Alive? He's a man who, you know, I think for a podcast where we tend to celebrate people who are trying hard but getting nowhere, <laughs> maybe we should go for Dr. Victor Donovan. That's his name. Yes, that's portrayed by Eric Roberts. Perfect. In DOA, Dead or Alive. Let's go with that then. DOA. It won, it won an award. It's in the post. Now we can update the IMDb page where it says oh. awards. <laughs> Nominated. Now that I have your attention... Let me introduce you to the future. You're up next. Okay, so with this podcast, there are two titans of the video game movie subgenre that had to be acknowledged, and we've created special categories Mm -hmm. for them both. Um, And the first of these is Best Uwe Boll Film. And the nominations are House of the Dead, Far Cry, Blood Rain, Poe Stoll, <laughs> In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, 
Alone in the dark. What voice is that? I recognise it. It's not Toast of London. It's not quite. No. I'm doing it a slight a mix between Toast of London and a kind of DJ. I see. Announcer. I think you were trying to modulate your voice to to not indicate what is your clear favourite. <laughs> um but we've had a bit of a ride with Uabold, haven't we? Because I think we were really worried we were going to watch several absolute shit films. And we have, but <laughs> we had a good time. I mm. mean, again, we stress, I don't think we're fans of the man at all. And he interacted with us quite a lot on Twitter when we started. And then I think he got... We like, blocked him. <laughs> I think no, he might have blocked us. I think he left Twitter and then he came back and now mm. he's got his new podcast. Oh, I should listen to that. No, you shouldn't. I'll add that to my my list of podcasts, which I'll never listen to. Mm, so, um, I think, again, we surprised ourselves by quite enjoying Postal because it was, I would say, felt a bit trauma-esque or just just gonzo or all those other sort of catch-all, catch-all words I can use. I think it, it felt like... Uwe Boll, for better or worse, that is sort of purist in terms of this is his vibe, this is his agenda. I mean, because he started out with making, like, schlocky... I think his first film was German Fried Movie, which was some, like, comedy sketch mm-hmm. thing. So I, I think that's his, like, piss-taking... I know people compare it to South Park or whatever, but just, like, you know, everyone's a target sort of vibe. And so, on its own terms, I think it is maybe his most successful work. Yeah, scatological and scattershot. I can't remember much toilet humour, but I love that turn of phrase, and I've now committed it to a podcast. Um, but yeah, I agree. He, Even though it is based on a video game, I think his other films still had to walk the line at least being nominally based on a, on a video game plot. Um, I do think... House of the Dead, by virtue of the fact that it actually reached cinemas, might feel like its most filmy film, its most cinematic film. I really turned on that. That was maybe one of the worst experiences of my life, seeing it for the first time. But then I got old. <laughs> and when other things happened. And now, <laughs> and now, you know, I have a fondness for it, which I never thought um, I could ever grow mm. inside me. And I will say, Far Cry, as well, I think it it was alright. I it actually was a quite dumb, enjoyed it. It was a dumb action film, and it felt not better or worse than a lot of other dumb action films you see on... Wasn't there a TV channel called Movies for Men, mm-hmm. which was, could have been called Movies for Idiots? Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, pretty... Uh, lots of war, lots of violence... Uh, but on daytime, and so not terribly violent or warific, which is the word I've created. Um, well, I digress. Like the name of the king, I think I quite enjoyed that, but mainly because I also enjoy the TV show Merlin, so my barometer or my bar for fantasy is quite low. <laughs> um, I think Alone of the Dark was nuts, but not necessarily in a good way. So I think we might be down uh, to House of the Dead, Far Cry or Postal. Um, 
not going to mention Blood Rain. I just did. Um, I mean, are you a Blood Rain head? <laughs> nope. nope. And there's two more of those to go we haven't seen. Well, maybe they, they can't be any worse, he says. <laughs> I sort of feel like, in a way, that Postal may be the best ones, but... At the same time, I don't really want to give it an award, because <laughs> that feels like an endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want it's almost the best for being the worst, if you know what I mean, because it's... No, it was genuinely good. It's been a while since I've seen it, obviously. I think we actually bought it, so whenever we log into our Games of Film, film YouTube account, it's like the one film we own, <laughs> so I might watch that again. But I actually would happily watch it again. Well, I think I would be... A, I'll definitely be having a problem in my life if I decided to put on Far Cry again. Um, <laughs> and House of the Dead. I can't see myself wanting to put that on again. I'd watch it if it was on. I think it's got it's got its place in history <laughs> for being the first Uwebol video game movie. But I think I'll be happiest with Postal because it was the most surprising and it's okay. pure uncut bowl. And we're going with Postal for best Uber Bowl movie. I have to destroy a postal truck filled with lethal microbes before a doomsday cult or a terrorist group gets their hands on it and destroys the entire world. Yeah, like I believe that. Jihad! Okay, uh, where's that truck? <laughs> very much the King Kong to Urbol's Godzilla or vice versa we have the best Paul W.S. Anderson film he is the other titan and we have of course Mortal Kombat but we also have Monster Hunter then we have uh, we have to remind ourselves he didn't do every Resident Evil movie so he did Resident Evil, Resident Evil Afterlife, Resident Evil Retribution, and Resident Evil The Final Chapter. When we did our final Resident Evil rankings after the six movies, I think our collective number one was The Final Chapter, mm. and then second was the original Resident Evil. Mm. So I think we can maybe discount Afterlife and Retribution. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> if you're listening <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson sat here I was just thinking about the films bated breath just like waiting oh what's it gonna be am I gonna win I was, I was entertaining myself for the idea that films listen to podcasts <laughs> um, yeah but dude you've got a award all to yourself like it's it's world's best dad and this on your shelf um, I mean Mortal Kombat we we've it's it's kind of a titan, um, but was it beginner's luck? <laughs> it's the one to beat, I guess. The the it's between I suppose Mortal Kombat and Resident Evil. If we're going to talk Monster Hunter, I really didn't like it mm. in the slightest. I felt like it was a missed opportunity on every single level. You seem to like it quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I think I did, but I've got terrible taste. <laughs> I mean, when you say the slightest, my you didn't like it in the slightest. I was thinking, I bet you liked it when that cat showed up and started cooking. You liked the cooking Okay, cat. yeah. You liked it this one slight bit. So you can't but, say the slightest. But that's from the game, and that's like... It's just 
the fact that it's in there is a credit to the film for like being like, oh, we have to put it in there. It's like you wacky concept. So I'll give it that. But you know, I think the greatest crime of that film was how it was leading up to a more exciting sequel potentially, which will never happen. Uh, you know, Mortal Kombat did the same, but maybe we don't want to see Mortal Kombat sequel. Um, but Mortal Kombat came to a complete end. Um, we watched Resident Evil. I mean, it's funny. I I think my favourite was Resident Evil, the final chapter. But I concede when we talked about the first Resident Evil film, we said that was the one which most felt like a film or most felt for cinemas. Even though the final chapter seemed to be quite a big budget, it it still felt lesser as a whole. And, you know, it's full of daft, goofy shit that we love. But I'd rather let my mum watch Resident Evil than Resident Evil, the final chapter. <laughs> Well, just because, you know, she needs to keep up with the whole bat story from five times previous. Yeah, I don't want to... Imagine trying to explain that and that and that happened and this happened. So, I think we've got Resident Evil or Mortal Kombat. Is it just nostalgia talking with Mortal Kombat? I mean, both of these films are old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at this point, the diff... Like, Mortal Kombat and Resident Evil, there was only seven years apart from them being released. It changed so much. And now it's... 20 years on from that first Resident Evil movie. Well, here's the thing. It's also funny because both films have since been rebooted. And we recently got a rebooted Mortal Kombat. And we also got a rebooted Resident Evil. And I know you liked the new Resident Evil more than I did. But I felt when watching the remake of Mortal Kombat, I was most missing the original. So... I think we might have to go for Mortal Kombat. Not only is it really difficult to beat, but but it's such a, a good adaptation of its source material in, in my view. And so would you be happy with combating it up a notch? Always. Always. Mortal Kombat wins. You've never been better, Paul W. Anderson. <laughs> Should have stopped there. Flawless victory. Your soul is mine. We've just returned from a break. And uh, did you get anything nice under your, in your gift bag under your seat? <laughs> I got um, a tracker bar. <laughs> I got a, game, a broken game and watch game from The Legend of Zelda, which is quite nice. Um, I got a scratched CD of the Mortal Kombat uh, music album. Um, but the uh, the one based on the video game, it's lots of film. And um... I got a vial of T-Virus. Oh, bloody lovely. <laughs> Going to mix that with your drinks? Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, speaking of scratch CDs, what's our next category, Rory? Our next category is for best achievement in music. Achievement <laughs> and... somehow sounded condescending there. <laughs> yeah. Great achievement, guys. Best effort in you, music. You, you tried <laughs> music edition. No, these are all good. That's why they're nominated for a gother. True. This is actually legitimately a difficult one as well. What are the nominations? The category sponsored by our Games on Film Greatest Hits Spotify playlist <laughs> are Tron Legacy, Mortal Kombat 1995, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, 
and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm. Now these are all brilliant. So there's no losers here, except except you listeners. Yeah, except well, I was going to say your hosts, but I know <laughs> where your priorities are now. We're in this together, guys. <laughs> um, I'm a massive fan of this person. I can't pronounce their surname. Elliot Goldenthal. I'd go with that. Yeah. I love his trumpets, and like I'm a particular fan of his music in Batman Forever, um, but also I deeply, deeply love the soundtrack to Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. But I'm not going to go with that. It would be controversial for the Final Fantasy fans who do not consider no. that music to be like the series. Yes, it's a hot potato yeah. It's still still warm. Yeah, after, just touched after it after twenty one years. <laughs> yes, cutting edge stuff, much like the animation. Of course, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is about a band, so it's got great music from a variety of artists. But is it better than Pokemon Detective Pikachu? I've gone for a sort of narrative format here now. <laughs> well, that soundtrack. So that's composed by Henry Jackman, who also did the music for Wreck-It Ralph and also did the music for Jumanji the new ones <laughs> the new ones <laughs> the That's new the ones box set uh, so he's, he's made a few appearances on the podcast but I suppose his work for Detective Pikachu again having to reconcile with an established series with very iconic video game tunes mm-hmm. and then jettisoning them and not using them at all um, but I mean, still creating something with a vibe that speaks to the world of Pokemon and the kind of the magic of having these creatures in a real world environment. I wish you could see where his hand movements here. The way he, he did world and creatures with his uh, digits was quite incredible. All these tracks, I mean, a lot of these video game movies have very quote unquote video gamey. Why did I quote unquote the word video game? <laughs> But, you know, they have sort of pixely type music. You can't get pixels of music. Fuck me. What's going wrong with me? Uh, we've reached the second cider of the evening. <laughs> but I just, I did really enjoy that music. I'm a bit aggrieved, though, that the credits music doesn't feature on the soundtrack, which was very much a remix of the video game soundtrack. But I still, just talking about it, I'm thinking about the arrival at, is it Rhyme City? And it just takes you away, man. <laughs> but I know we we're talking about Mortal Kombat steamrolling over the competition in Paul W.S. Anderson's category. But, hmm. Oh, controversy time. Techno Syndrome is not really from the soundtrack. It's featured on the soundtrack. It's whether we're counting score or soundtrack. And so if it's a song that was not specifically created for the film, but appears on the soundtrack, I think that still is included in this category. I guess we're not so. doing the Academy rules. <laughs> I just feel that because it appeared on the CD, I think, before the film, that's a strike against it in my eyes. But I think that you can't deny the impact that that soundtrack had not just in terms of commercial success as a soundtrack release, but also before Mortal Kombat, you didn't really get techno music accompanying martial arts or action sequences. Mm. And 
<laughs> it's not to say that Mortal Kombat created that necessarily, but I think it popularized that, and obviously that kind of genre of music was only really becoming mainstream in that uh, in that time in the yeah. sort of early to mid nineties. I was going to say, I'm imagining the ancient art of uh, you know kung fu married with techno from the nineties. <laughs> Beautiful, unstoppable force. And I do, I do think the score for that is great. It's got, it's just, it feels muscly. And mm. so I like that a lot. But it's, yeah, I, I, the, there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening with the orchestral. The, the sort of, there's Eastern influences, there's very kind of dramatic classic music influences. It's all, it's a, it's a beautiful score to listen to, as well as, you know, yeah. fist pump too. For like date night, <laughs> put, set, light some candles. Order in the Deliveroo, put on yeah. the Techno Syndrome. Or Orbital, Halcyon on and on. 24-hour mix. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, we've got Tron Legacy. And I think this is a very tough soundtrack to beat because I think it's celebrated to this day. Like I think we've had like re-releases. I think Daft Punk did a re-release quite recently to commemorate the anniversary and i still hear the soundtrack on shows like the apprentice and if you make the apprentice then you you, you're you're part of the culture (laughs) i think it'd be strange though if they had a a challenge in the apprentice and as like the men's team and the girls team are got the fishmongers to get supplies for the stall that they're doing their day all of a sudden it just shouts it's true, but I would love to see Alan Sugar come into come to meet them with like Goro's music, and he's going. <laughs> he's got hands up in the air. Treasure these moments as if they were your last. <laughs> You're fired. Those are five hundred dollar sunglasses, asshole. But he kicks Alan Sugar off a building, off the shards. The men's team lost by five hundred dollars for the broken shades. <laughs> <laughs> And sent to the Nether Realm. Anyway, uh, Mortal Kombat. That's a weird name for that cafe. <laughs> the Nether Realm, where they have a sad cup of tea. <laughs> um, hmm. So I think it's Tron Legacy. It, it, I think it has to be because I, th- I used to, I thought Mortal Kombat was going to be dead cert, but I just feel like Tron Legacy's become omnipresent and just. I like Tron Legacy, but it's made by the soundtrack. It's omnipresent, but not boring. As in the sense that you can hear that music and it really gets you going. Sure. Regardless. And you could say the same with Mortal Kombat. But I think, yes, you can maybe, as you say, put that little down mark against it because it's using pre-existing material. Mm. Whereas Tron Legacy is like created by Daft Punk for that movie and is just, yeah, uh, a... The score really makes that movie. I think maybe I'd like to see the next Oscars feature people just debating on who should win right there. <laughs> With like everyone in the audience like holding their handkerchiefs and like going, am I going to win? Am I going to win? <laughs> Raise your hands for Coda. Yeah, geez. I get really annoyed when... Like... Sorry, that wasn't a thing about like sign language. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't what I was meant to say. I was just talking about the best picture with it. Yeah, moving on. It was um, beautiful when everyone was, you know, waving their hands instead of clapping.
We have now, as we often do, um, a category where we, we call ourselves Games on Film, where we're celebrating video games movies, but sometimes we go the other way because we're like that. And our next category is the best game based on the film. So we have Spider-Man 2, uh, from based on Spider-Man 2. <laughs> uh, we have GoldenEye 007, uh, The Simpsons Hit and Run, Star Wars Rogue Leader, Alien Isolation, Enter the Matrix, and Ballistic X versus Sever. Now, I've, I've not played Ballistic. Did you play Ballistic? I, I did. And you said it was all right. I think I think it was I think it was well I think with a lot of games and you could argue with some of the other ones they were good for the time Mm. and I think the thing is is that it was good for the time and also for the console and in a way you're then sort of like I think like it still holds up as being playable but I think you know if you have other consoles at your disposal you don't need to play a Game Boy Advance first person shooter unless you have to (laughs) also I mean GoldenEye is a cast iron classic. So if we're just saying best games, I think that would quite comfortably be at the top. But I think we've also also said how it's not super duper James Bondy. And so I, I think this is also another kind of lukewarm potato here. But I I wouldn't mind if it didn't win. I guess with the... So the reason we're doing these ones is because we did episodes on these particular franchises. And I think Star Wars Road Leader, we just picked because there's obviously many Star Wars games to choose from. But this was maybe the one that I guess we played the most. And I think it makes you feel like an X-Wing pilot. And also, each level is basically a bit from the films. Yeah. Um, Whereas... There's loads of Star Wars games which don't really do that. And I, I think if we're using that criteria, it doesn't make you feel like you're in the film. Mm. Then I think like Spider-Man 2 does a good job of that in terms of the swing web-slinging mechanics. Alien Isolation does a very good job of that, which was very immersive. Enter the Matrix does not good do a good job <laughs> about that because you do not pull off cool moves very often because you're flailing around with the bad controls. So I think that's discounted. Um, Simpsons Hit and Run... I don't think makes you feel like you're in The Simpsons. It's a nice no. representation of Springfield, there's but it's not that... very Simpsons-y, just driving cars around the place. Also, like, there's videos of, like, Homer Simpsons, like, kicking his wife down the street and things. You think, Homer, maybe season 30 Homer would do that, but not uh, the Homer I know. Um... <laughs> not my Homer. Not my Homer. Sorry, no Homer's. I have to admit, I've not completed Thalen Isolation still. I'm still trapped under that table. I still like, what button does hold breath again? And I end up setting up a flare. <laughs> so, did you play that to completion? I can't remember if you played it at all. No, I didn't play Alien Isolation at all. Oh, right, I okay. just watched the terrible digital series version oh, of bloody it. Nora, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, celebrating video game movies. <laughs> um, hmm... I, th- I think it's probably between Alien Isolation, Spider-Man 2, and Goldeneye. I think Spider-Man 2 maybe in some respects has been superseded by the new Spider-Man game. Yeah, and whenever I go back to play that, I have a great 10 minutes or more 
But not less than 10 minutes. <laughs> but not more than 45. <laughs> I have a great time swinging around with those beautiful mechanics, but, you know, a lot of the game is collecting balloons and, and trying to deliver pizza, so it's not super thrilling. So is Goldeneye. <laughs> <laughs> well, 007, where's that pizza I ordered 20 minutes ago? Sorry. And <laughs> I was trying to get balloons. <laughs> I think, like, it just stops with sorry. <laughs> It's like, geez, get off my case. You're not my mom. Uh, sorry. I like the idea of Bond just going, sorry, in a really sarcastic way. All the smoothness is gone. No quips. She's like, sorry. And so I think, are we going with the obvious choice? Is it Goldeneye 007? I think that's maybe my vote. That's my call. I think Alien Isolation. Sure. sure. Yeah, and that's close. I would have been happy either way, I might say, I guess, even though I've still... Because it, if we're going by, if it makes you feel like you're in the film, Alien Isolation makes you feel like you're terrified and being pursued by an alien. Goldeneye makes you a mass murderer. And, you know... But I think Goldeneye also, it like, improves the film from which it's based on. Like, every time you watch that film... I get vibes of the video game mm. more than I do. Whereas I think like Alien Isolation probably doesn't... If you watch Alien, you're not necessarily thinking of Alien Isolation. That mm. maybe speaks more of quality of both of those things and maybe speaks less of the quality of Goldeneye the movie. I don't, I don't know. But I think it could they're have been... wrapped up in the same thing to me. I think Goldeneye the film could have been improved by like Brosnan uh, and... Um... I was going to say Natty and Brulier. <laughs> no, um, but James Bond and Natalia kissing for the entire credits <laughs> like they do in the game. Um, but no, no, it's a good argument. Um, I think GoldenEye 007 still is the best game based on a movie. Bond, James Bond is blasting his way onto Nintendo 64 in the game version of the hit feature film, GoldenEye. Read your case file, grab your gun and clever gadgets, then control the actions of 007, the world's most famous spy. True 3D movement, motion and character showcase the game's amazing realism, and different weapons allow you to accomplish your task covertly or not. Play solo or against a friend or foe with a two-character split screen. Good luck, Bob! We now move into the performance categories. I know because... they do act. <laughs> they act too. Because like, video game movies girls. are filled with actors. <laughs> and some of them do performances. And even fewer still <laughs> deliver good ones. <laughs> and <That's> so mean. <laughs> <laughs> but not wrong. So we now move on to the best performance by an actor. And we have discounted and giving honourable mention to Mr. Tim Curry for his performance in Clue, because while we did cover that in an episode as a special board game film movie. What am I trying to say? Film based on a board game as opposed to film based on a video game. Um, We wanted to be more consistent with just the video game movies in this category. And he would clearly win. And he would clearly win. <laughs> so instead, we have these uh, runners-up. Um, 
Yeah. Best performance by an actor we have. Bob Hoskins for his portrayal of Mario Mario (laughs) in Super Mario Brothers. We have Sylvester Stallone in Spy Kids 3D Game Over. We have Sam Richardson for Werewolves Within. Christopher Lambert for Mortal Kombat. And Justice Smith for Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> oh, I This was like... actually a bit of a struggle to put these nominees together because no, I... we were trying to work out if there was any performances aside from villains, while Sylvester Sloan is of a villainous nature in Spy Kids 3D. I'm trying to remember his character name. Uh, I'm going to say Vincent Game Over. <laughs> <laughs> the programmer. I think the best performances tend to be the villainous ones. So finding the kind of non-villainous characters that we enjoyed the performances of was maybe a bit uh, tricky. I've also just tickled by the idea of someone like Daniel Day-Lewis like portraying Mario Mario. Um, I went to like a village fete yesterday and this one lady was selling DVDs and like they were all horse DVDs and one was The Crucible. <laughs> is he um is he in that i think so daniel day lewis and winona Ryder, i believe i just tickled me um but no he's he's not yet been in a video game movie sylvester sloan's character is toy maker toy maker okay i knew it was something like the programmer i know he didn't have an actual name but we picked him because he plays multiple roles. Mm, I think we literally said it was the performance of a lifetime. It's Rory Kinnear in Men. <laughs> it's Eddie Murphy in Nutty Professor 2 for Clumps. It's wow. cinema. <sighs> I'm now... I'm going to... I haven't watched Men yet, but when I watch it, I'm going to picture, like, literally any other actor. I do love Rory They can Kinnear. easily deep fake, like, Sylvester Stallone as every role in that if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be better than any of the films we're talking about today. Um, I'm a bit perplexed why I put Bob Hoskins in there. Was were you <laughs> taking the piss? No, because I I think I think despite his hatred of that film, and he would be spinning in his grave knowing that we were potentially considering giving him an award for it. Um, I think he commits to the bit, and I think he does. I think he's like the kind of... Him and, you know, John Leguizamo as Luigi, I think that's sort of the thing that keeps the the earnestness and sincerity of the film mm. alive. I think it would be lesser if they were kind of be doing a more muggy performance. But I think Bob Hoskins, you know, he's a pro. He's going to be an Italian-American plumber trapped in an alternate dinosaur question. reality. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> I think he doesn't. I think he does enough to to, you know, divorce the Cockney from uh, from the role. Cut out the Cockney. Left it in the drawer. <laughs> Open the other drawer. It's like well, 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 well. that's my Italian voice. Um, I was yeah, just thinking about it. I just can't remember the last time I had a, like a family action adventure movie where the lead isn't, or I should say, the lead is. Just a gruff, angry man. Because <laughs> there needs to be more of those. And now I want to see a film called about... I want to see men, but all the men are Bob Hoskins in the Mario Brothers movie. And they're all like, I don't want to be here. 
so, so I mean, we were genuinely impressed by Sylvester Stallone. I think Sam Richardson and Justice Smith stand out because I think they're very much the heart of their movies. They are not particularly showy. I don't know. I just, I found. I mean, I think you were more into Wells Within than I was. But I think Sam Richardson really made it work. I think, yeah, with both of those roles and performances, again, there is like a sweetness and and a sincerity to them which is needed to ground the kind of wacky stuff that, you know, could potentially derail everything. And I think, yeah, like the positivity in the face of terrifying stuff really sort of speaks to his character and performance in Wells Within. And I think, yeah, the the kind of genuine connection that you feel with Justice Smith's character Tim in Detective Pikachu with the Detective Pikachu character and also just interacting with, you know, various um, computer-generated Pokemon. Um, again, does a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm. I mean, quite controversially, I like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom... And I think I prefer Justice Smith than that. Which, being preferring someone in another film shouldn't mean you, like, dismiss his other work. But, oh, I don't know, it feels like in a weird way it's a two-hander between him and Ryan Reynolds playing the, the shocking animal <laughs> in that film. Well, speaking of another shocking animal, Christopher Lambert <laughs> as Raiden yeah, in Mortal Kombat. I love, I do love Christopher Lambert, but does he have much to do? I think, uh, was it um, Hamish, our brother, who mentioned that Ethan Hawke in Moon Knight was basically doing Christopher Lambert as Raiden? Oh, and I just wow, yes. Couldn't, I just couldn't get it out of my head. Just the voice and everything was like, and the look, just identical. It's brilliant. But I don't really... I, I mean, he isn't that much different than what he is in Highlander. Um, what, Scottish? <laughs> no, I mean... Yeah, he yeah no. He, he, <laughs> yeah, no, that's my answer. He goes for an arc in Highlander, but when he's... Like, in the modern day, he has the same sort of aloofness and sort of amusement that he has in this so what I'm saying is that I don't think he's trying particularly hard uh, <laughs> not that he should feel like he have to in, in the film Mortal Kombat I just don't I'll go back to what I'm, I'm thinking I personally am thinking Sam Richardson because although I, I found a lot of the secondary characters quite irritating the important thing about a protagonist is that you want to see them succeed you want to be with them, and I was with him throughout. So uh, would you be happy with handing the, the honour over to Sam? Yes. So, I'll pop it in the mail. Yeah. Hi, this is Charlotte. Leave a message. Bye. Uh, hi, love. Just want to let you know that I am almost to my new post, which is exciting. Uh, anyway... Uh, call me. Would love to hear your voice. Uh, you know, or don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to if you don't want to. Actually, so no. Uh, I would like if you would call me, please. This is me saying what I want. So there. Okay. Uh, 
Well, uh, it's Finn. Love you. Uh, call, call me. Okay, bye. So we've done best actor. Next, we've got the best performance by an actress. Um, we have some honourable mentions as well. Um, we've got... I would say she should be on the poster. Natasha Rothwell from Sonic the Hedgehog 2, who completely turned the film into a rom-com, a crazy rom-com for like 10 minutes. And as we said in our podcast, possibly the best bit of the film. <laughs> Might have been just for the grown-ups in the audience, but um, what can I say? It's uh, It is the scene I would perhaps watch Sonic 2 for. But <laughs> she's not in it much. So we have got Angelina Jolie, Mia Jovovich, Dr. Aki Ross, which is a bit of a joke because she was meant to be a digital actress for the age, but in reality she's voiced... Was she motion cats? I don't think so. Who knows? Who knows? But Ming-Na Wen is who should be credited. Uh, and then... Um, Mil- I'd Mil- say Milana Weintraub. Weintraub. Sorry, Milana. Uh, as Cecily in Werewolves Within. And uh, Alejandra Reynoso as Cypher in Castlevania. I've got two animated performances in this. So again, I'm sure Andy Serkis is listening to this just completely outraged for his Oscar snubs. But we found it a little bit difficult to find female leads in our video game movies. I mean, I say that, we we, we have often acknowledged how Mila Jovovich has been in like a huge number. She is the queen of video game movies. And we weren't going to give a, a best performance nod to Tristana Loken and Blood Rain. <laughs> no offence, Tristana. I am... Let's just talk about Emiliovich for a moment. I mean, she... It's easy to say that she is just like a generic action person, but she, she does do lots of different performances in her films. There's a bit when she's like kind of mumsy. Was that in Retribution? Is that the one where they go underground? Again, <laughs> which there is an evil film to go underground. Um, but and yet I one... knew what you were talking about. I know, about. because there's lots of little zones underground. So she, she... I don't know, though. I don't know. I don't I don't get much range still from her. What do you think? I, I think it's it's tricky because I think she probably does the the best performance in the first movie. But that's also the time where she doesn't really know who she is. And as she gradually goes on there is some sort of an arc but she just seems to get more like kind of badass i suppose is what you would say boring yeah maybe to an extent (laughs) so i i think i think it's the case where she is very watchable throughout whether or not she's actually really giving any sense of character or inner conflict or progression i think is is Sort of almost, almost not what the film demands of her. Maybe a little bit more in the final film, but performance. Eh, <laughs> don't know. I like her. I she's. I think I like her as a performer and as an actress. Um, but it's not what I would rank as particularly um, powerful, or <laughs> you know. It, interesting in in that respect i mean what i said about sam richardson richardson's character in the previous category but i 
I can't find myself even really caring what Alice is doing in any film. So, yeah, no, sorry, Mila, you're great, but not great enough. <laughs> um, I mean, again, by the same token, would we dismiss Angelina Jolie? Because her character is pretty much what Alice is doing. Um, well, I guess you could say, and we didn't include her, but at least if Vikander, as Lara Croft in the newer Tomb Raider, probably does have more range of performance in that in terms of she has to do maybe a bit more emotionally i know angelina jolie in the first tomb raider movie she spends a lot of time kind of moping about her daddy um <laughs> that sounds so cynical but no i would agree but, you know alicia vikanda does that in the newer film and yeah. she probably does a bit more performing in her mopiness <laughs> now i was I wanted to rescind what I was saying about Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider character, Lara Croft, being very much like Mila Jovovich's character, Alice, because I do find those scenes with her dad very emotional, not at least because it was with her real dad. Um, and if your real dad was John Voight, you would be upset. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's James Bond's famous line again. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, well, I don't. I don't think we're giving Doctor Aki Ross slash Ming Na Wen the awards. I think good voice work, but animating you know, doesn't really live. The characters are all kind of dead eyed, aren't they? Or am I just misremembering what we thought about her performance? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm gravitating towards, um, got to say, Cypher. Um, yeah. Because I've been re-watching Castlevania again. Again, sort of trying to forget Warren Ellis's, Warren Ellis's involvement in this. But Cypher remains just an absolute delight. And, yeah, I, I think there's obviously good vocal performances which we did not include from male cast members in that category. Um, but I think, in a way, she is the, the standout, at least, of the main trio. Mm. And I think she really does bring, you know, humour and engagement, and she's very enthusiastic about, you know, all the demon slaying that she's doing. Um, and, I, 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 yeah, I do really think she sort of makes the show i was a little bit iffy with the first short season of it um i think it kind of pits up quite a bit more in the second season and then you know third and fourth have their moments too um but i'm always wanting to hear what see she says next yeah, yeah what her exactly. opinion is on things she's also she's quite funny about the silliness and but she's also a badass um i mean i say the same enthusiasm is also shared by uh, Milana Ventrub in Werewolves Within. Mm -hmm. uh, I liked her energy. But yeah. um, just got to say, I mean, maybe by virtue of having more of her in Castlevania, I think I want to go for uh, Alian sorry, Aliandra Reynoso. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Cypher. Cypher wins. Cypher wins. I'm not sad. Yes, you are. But I can shout at you or tease you and get a reaction that lets me know you're still in there. His sadness is like an icy well. 
It's bottomless. And it swallows up your voice and anything you try to drop into it. Am I really sad? All the time. You don't even notice it now. It's just how you are. Which moves us on to Best Adaptation TV Series. And we've included all the four TV shows that we've covered across 100 episodes. And as you mentioned, Harry, earlier on, there are more TV shows to come, which we may or may not get around to, because it is a commitment to watch something over multiple hours as opposed to just one and a half to two. I spent a lot of my evenings going through Netflix, deciding what to watch and going nowhere. So that's a lot of my evening filled already. And we also, again, are only covering things we've covered on the podcast, so that rules out Mortal Kombat Conquest. Oh dear. We'll get around to it one day. Our 200th episode will definitely be including that. Um, So, the nominees we have are Castlevania, The Cuphead Show, Arcane League of Legends, Resident Evil, Infinite Darkness... I think the guys from Netflix are waiting with anticipation. No, which one of shills? Just off the top of my head, is there any video game TV shows on, like, Amazon Prime? Well, I think there's some Street Fighter, like maybe Street Fighter Assassin's Fist is on there, but I don't think it was made for Amazon mm. Prime. But you know, forthcoming, there will be a bit more diversity in streaming platforms offering things like. Yeah. Halo on Paramount Plus, Last of Us on HBO. I think Twisted Metal is... Is that Amazon Prime? No, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, good point. I've already said I've got a deep love of Castlevania, but but the other three shows only got... I've only have, at time of recording, one season. Um, And we did find some seasons of Castlevania not as good as others. So... Does that work against it? Does it work against it's it? It's had more time to have those highs, but also more time to spoil itself. <laughs> to have those... De- you could have just said lows. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, have to be honest with ourselves when we talked about Arcane, because we... we and this also wraps up the question of, we say best adaptation. Are we saying... This adapts the material very, very well. Or do we say it's just good in of itself? I want to say a little bit of both. (laughs) Um, Because, as we said in our episode on Arcane, the show is like really story-led, whereas the game of Arcane, all the story is kind of... It's in like Wikipedia articles or something. It's not. It's not. It's not really anything to do with the game itself. I think the show confirmed relationships which are only hinted at in the game. So, well, I don't know how good of an adaptation it was. I think compared to the other shows, and again, by virtue of the fact that it's got only one season under its belt, I, I thought Arcane was fantastic. Um, I feel. I mean. Resident Evil Infinite Darkness was shite. <laughs> Can't remember how much you liked it, but... Not much. No, that wasn't very good. And the Cuphead show was a delight. Um, but... And it wasn't even trying to be this. It doesn't have, I feel, the emotional resonance as Arcane had. So... But I think with an adaptation, you know, just because you don't know the source material or 
even if there isn't much source material and it sets seeds in creating something out of a tiny amount of content, um, not that Leaf Legends has a tiny amount of content, but a tiny amount of like maybe sort of like it's not, you know, it's one thing to adapt something and be, oh, it's it's one to one, it's so exact, it's so close to the material, but does that make it a successful adaptation? as opposed to something which has not as much material, but then succeeds in creating something out of it. Something like Werewolves Within, for instance, where it creates a whole story and characters out of just a game concept or mechanic, rather than, you know, having like a very set structure of characters and story beats that it has to replicate. So, you know, it's it's not a marker against, uh, against it. I think it's a... I think it's proof positive that they managed to do something with uh, comparatively little. I, so I would agree with awarding this to Arcane, League of Legends, for now. Yeah. I've if actually... season two comes out and it's poo, then yeah. uh, we can uh, <laughs> I mean, no, take we're, it back. We're, doing, we're not going to be spoiling anything on this podcast to any degree, but... I would say uh, season end ends in such a way that if they never made another season, I'd be all right with it. Um, so there's everything to play for in season two <laughs> of Arcane. We we might, unlike some Oscars awards I can mention, <laughs> I uh, we might take away awards. Ooh. Yeah. So now Arcane, your second season was below par. <laughs> we'll give this to the Cuphead show. It's like Michelin stars. <laughs> they have to keep their awards. They have to keep working hard so they can keep the goffer on their mantelpiece. But, you know, aside from Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, these other animated shows are well worth... These uh, TV shows are well worth your time. Yes, they all get a, a stamp of approval. Just, just only one of them can have an award. <laughs> yeah. They've got to share that stamp. Take it in turns. This city was founded to be a bastion of enlightenment. We are the city of progress, and our future is bright. We were once one tribe. Now, we are houses divided. As time passes, the topsiders are leaving us further and further behind. There's never enough to go round. It can either break you or forge you into something greater. Hi. We are now on to the films. The films of Games on Film. Uh, but first up, these are the best original film. We So these are films which are sort of about video games, but not directly uh, inspired by any of them. And in this list, we've got War Games, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Free Guy, Tron Legacy, Bandersnatch, that's the Black Mirror thing, <laughs> Ready Player One, Stay Alive, Max Cloud. And I think this one we can quickly get through because we're just saying, which is the best film? Which is the best well, film in this list? you say that, but I'm not sure I know which one is the best just yet. Because I have my favourites. Mm. And I have my not favourites, for sure. But before we completely strike it off the list, I do want to shout out to Stay Alive. Because I know it's not anyone's favourite in any respect, but I did, in terms of 
killer video game movie. I know we didn't include Arcade on this best original film or list. Or Choose or Die, I see. Or Choose or Die. And I think Stay Alive is the best out of the three. I've seen it on Twitter recently where people are sort of discovering it's Disney's only horror film. Um, we definitely talked about that on the podcast. I've forgotten pretty much everything about it. Well, then it can scare you all over Well, this again. is what I'm saying. I mean, it's not going to win this category, but... Or any. I'm, I'm <laughs> best film named Stay Alive <laughs> made in this year. Um, what I want to say, though, I would, I'm now I've forgotten it so much that I would actually welcome watching it again. Because, yeah, I do remember us having quite a good time with it. Yeah, I think looking at this list, it, I think it proves that just because it's not inspired by an video game doesn't mean it's necessarily better than video game movies because I, I love Tron Legacy, but it's with caveats. There is still like a weird lifelessness to it, um, especially with all the digi- digital jiggery-pokery they did with Jeff Bridges' face. I'm a fighter for Free Guy. I'm a stan for Free Guy. Um, but it's quite fluffy and disposable. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, I have my misgivings about as well. It was It's interesting watching that film from release and then, like, again, and then more recently for the podcast and just how my kind of feelings for that film have... You know, I I always knew certain sort of certain aspects of it, but like I think some stuff kind of like stands out a bit more to me now, and it's not. A Do kind you of... mean in terms of problematica? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain amount of problematica, but I think that's baked into the material, and I think it recognizes that. Yeah. But then I think at the same time, it's just like, how much does the oh, but like here's some cool shit, is meant to kind of like offset and justify the problematica or remove the problematica taste or I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, I can't be one of those people where it's just like, put it on and have a party. And it's such a good time, cool, fun movie, put it on a big screen. Five stars empire. But you know, <laughs> but you know when you go to like, not that it's a bad movie, but you go to like bad movie nights and you think like, yeah, bad movie night. And then the film you're watching just has like, Ugh, this has got lots of sexual abuse and like triggering rape stuff in it. It's it's. Uh. Which which film is this again? But uh, <laughs> there's just there's certain like you know movies which come back in the bad movie circuit or whatever, and it's just like, oh yeah, let's watch Jack Frost. It's all about the killer snowman. Oh, there's the bit where he sexually assaults a woman. Okay, I'm no longer having fun. <laughs> I think what you're trying to get at is that. It's a great film, but it, it, it is, there's various icky things in it, and you don't know if it's really condoning it or not sometimes. And whether, you know, I, I don't think it's it's necessarily endorsing some of the icky stuff that it recognises that Scott Pilgrim has, like, some icky issues as that character, but it's also, like, I don't know if I can have, like, the great fun time the film wants me to have all the rest of the time with that that's funny though because even though we've had quite a long chat about all the stuff we find weird about Scott Pilgrim I feel it might still be the best film on this list because <laughs> I I mean all that stuff's baked into Ready Player One as well yeah but I think 
at least Scott Pilgrim, as you say, it, it acknowledges this as a problem with the character. Whereas in Ready Player One, it's almost rewarding the character for being a gatekeeping prick. I don't know. I think I think the the two other movies, and I think they sort of have some sort of similarities in terms of like setting and tone, and just because they use old computers, I guess, is War Games and Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Mm. And I think War Games is a really good movie, actually. Um, I think it's a fun, entertaining watch. I think the fact that it's Dealing with Globo... Globo? Globo. Globo. Everyone's favourite Globo. Globo. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, kids, it's Globo. <laughs> Check out Australia. It's round my back. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> turning to camera and prompting kids to look at his backside. <laughs> it's Australia, all right. <laughs> Will so that make um, New Zealand his... Um, uh, Let's not go there. <laughs> I think the word you're looking for is gooch. <laughs> Check um, our merch store for Globo t-shirts. I was going to say global thermonuclear war. Um, oh, that's a lot more serious. It's very tense, um, and yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a pretty great movie and. I really did dig Black Mirror Bandersnatch. It's different, obviously. It's an interactive movie, but I think it has a really interesting tone and vibe, and it captures like some of the like grimness of Britain <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty well. Yeah, I, th- I think it kind of succeeds in what it sets out to do, and it's it's one of those things where, as with you know the aforementioned Clue, it's not satisfying in just one run through it's like the cumulative effect of having different experiences or having the different endings that creates the kind of wider package um so i'd say those are the two which are kind of competing i'll be completely honest i honestly can't remember what i thought about war games okay so i might in this instance defer to you though i do recall there being genuine moments of tension in war games, I did enjoy in terms of Bandersnatch, but being maybe a bit conservative here, I'd feel a bit uncomfortable that the best film, best original film reward would go to a film whose story kind of changes by audience control. Uh, so free guy it is then. <laughs> oh, God, that's, that's a difficult one. How are you feeling about freak? What freak? I mean, I'd love. I do hope to put social posts about all these wins and to say that Free Guy won best film in our awards would would just completely undermine us on the internet. Oh, come at us, internet bros! <laughs> I mean, there's a lot I really did enjoy about it because I, t- I tell you, like it was, it's about artificial intelligence, and I think it does a lot more than what we expected, and I think it also does a very good job of representing modern gaming as it currently exists, which is maybe a lot harder to do when people focus too much on trying to capture gaming but do it with like retro goggles on all right and you're talking me around to free guy yeah, let's just let's just go with free are guy. we going with free guy not war games 
Free Guy is the best film <laughs> okay. ever made. Ever made. At time of recording. At time of recording. I'm, I'm looking forward to listen to our, our Patreons can get our regrets. <laughs> this is Free City. You could rob a store, carjack someone, punch a pedestrian in the face. You'll figure it out. Oh, I never hurt innocent people. I've got to admit, that is kind of refreshing. Sometimes forget not everyone you meet on here is a sociopathic man-child. Thank you. Well, we move now on to Best Animated Film. And the nominations are Wreck-It Ralph, Dragon Quest, Your Story, Pokemon, The First Movie, Street Fighter 2, The Animated Movie, Professor Layton, and The Eternal Diva, Animal Crossing, The Movie, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, and The Angry Birds Movie. Yeah, we kind of chose this category. I mean, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate that animated movies can never be up for best film. But we kind of made this category because so it's very easy to, I think, translate video game imagery into an animated form. I mean, nothing's easy in this world, but you know what I mean. I just thought it would be like too easy to get Professor Layton to win Best Adaptation because, as far as I can tell, it's extreme. Hughes extremely close to the look and feel of its source material. So we thought we'd bunch it up in with the other animated stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think also you know it's it's one thing to say oh, animation can't be considered at the same level as live action but this is more just so that we could celebrate yeah all the good animated offerings because i think the struggle with the best original film in that respect was just like well some are in here just because they're live action films not because actually we really do love them mm. whereas i think we have some very strong and you could be you could argue definitely some of the best adaptations regardless of whether fidelity to source material or just good quality uh, are in the animated category. And just remember, we, we gave uh, Cartoon Lady the Best Actress Award, so, so you know. Just, <laughs> I'm sure she's thrilled. She's know. thrilled to know the Cartoon Lady. Um, so, look, I don't like Racket Ralph. I think I said this before. Maybe I liked it more when we last watched it, but I find it kind of fuzzy and unsatisfying so I really like it oh but I guess it's a no for the <laughs> best animated film it's just it's all about compromise yeah. podcasting I think to both our surprises Dragon Quest Your Story kind of blew our socks off in a way and I think interestingly in terms of adaptation this was a film that was disliked by fans for not ad- adhering to the art style. Well, we uh, need as to much correct them, like in Free Guy. <laughs> we need to tell them that they're wrong. Yeah. You're not being real fans. <laughs> um, yeah, I was aware of the controversy, or controversy, I always forget which one. But yeah, I was very much surprised. Uh, I kind of knew what to expect with Pokemon the first movie, though. Yeah, and I picked... This is the nominee to represent all Pokemon movies, but that's not necessarily we're considering all Pokemon movies in this cat, you know, as a nominee. We're just sort of saying this is probably the best one. It wasn't brilliant. It was enjoyable enough, 
But I think erasing everyone's minds at the end really annoys me. And so nobody learns nothing. Um, Street Fighter 2, Professor Layton, Animal Crossing. We've got all these animes here. I guess we'd count Final Fantasy as an anime. I mean, it's A, Final Fantasy is not really a good film. I like it because of the sort of hardware and I like spaceship porn and things, but you know, it more so than Dragon Quest, I think it is uh, gets rid of its source material. I think Animal Crossing was quite pleasant, but sort of ghibli light, maybe. I mean, in its dreams. <laughs> in its dreams. Um, I, really... I, I liked it fine. Yeah. I think Professor Layton is 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 good. I did like it quite a lot because, yeah, as you say, it was basically like kind of watching a a game, um, the game itself, and the fact that there were puzzles in the movie and stuff. It did go on maybe a little bit too long. It felt like a Tintin adventure as well. Yeah, it has those elements. I, so I would definitely recommend it to fans of of the series. And I think Street Fighter Two, you know. That does get heralded as one of the better video game movies. And this is, again, sort of sticking elements of plot into Street Fighter, which did not exist before necessarily, with like the kind of cyborgs and and that sort of thing. Um, but it definitely like captures the feel um, to an extent and the look and... It's a it's a good one too. <laughs> so I've put one. question mark marks around most of these options, <laughs> um, but I I kind of think the the most surprising and most successful is probably Dragon Quest. I think it looks gorgeous. I know the character designs caused uh, issues with fans, and but it looked lovely. I think you and I. We'd much rather have a surprising film than just a rote sort of joining the dots type experience. So, uh, sorry, fans. <laughs> We're telling you that you're wrong to dislike Dragon Quest. Your story. We like that movie you hate. Your story is written by the victors, and the victor is Dragon Quest. Uh, I'm so pleased with myself. <laughs> Find the Zenithian sword and seal the gates to the dark world. You clearly can't beat him alone. You're alive! Encounters and farewells, scores of trials, and the strongest foe. Uh, penultimate award is uh, the best adaptation film category. So we start with Immortal Kombat, Silent Hill, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Rampage, Ace Attorney, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, Werewolves of Inn, and Need for Speed. So this is like, though it's the penultimate award, in many people's minds might be the most important awards. But not us. <laughs> yeah, as if we're gonna like consider any of these in any real kind of seriousness or, or yes. import the best film. 
Uh, um, I mean, it's not like the Academy uh, I mean, picked the right one when it was the best feature. We often talk about the holy trinity of, of Mario Brothers and Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, but only Mortal Kombat made the list. Hey, this was a joint effort. <laughs> yeah, looking over at Roy. Well, I, th- I think like Street Fighter has a very, very soft spot. In our hearts, Super Mario Brothers maybe less so. Sorry, a soft spot in your heart. Yeah, that doesn't sound very healthy. I know I should get that X-rayed, <laughs> get that looked at. The Street um, Fighter logo in there. <laughs> but you know, I I'd sort of think that Street Fighter still very much has its naysayers, not us. Super Mario Brothers still has its naysayers, not us. I think those get mentioned more often in terms of video movie curse or video movies are bad more so than Mortal Kombat where people even in that category would give it maybe yeah. begrudging well I guess that was fine yeah. when it was, we know that it's fucking awesome <laughs> no I think I've read all the articles with shit on video game movies or begrudgingly put that in the opening paragraph or something so in a way we've picked movies which usually end up in the begrudging <laughs> <laughs> well I guess that the, was the, fine the shrug award for the best <laughs> film goes to Hmm. Best adaptation. We have to remember that Pokemon Detective Pikachu is based on the game Pokemon Detective Pikachu and not just Pokemon games in general. Silent Hill. I mean, I love the aesthetic. It does have that crazy long in- info dump in the middle. But like, gosh, here we are, Rory. We are deciding the best video game movie. How could it not be Mortal Kombat? Are any of these films better than Mortal Kombat? Well, Werewolves Within is currently the top rated video game movie on Rotten Tomatoes at a hot 86%, I think, which is like any blockbuster would kill for that. Mm. But Werewolves Within, you know, completely blindsided everyone. And I think, again, it's because it doesn't care to acknowledge its video game origins. It just decides to marry murder mystery who done it with werewolves which is a great idea and it's just very nicely put together um in that respect it's funny it's entertaining i watched it twice within two days which is part of the course for you mm. you'll watch any old shit <laughs> more than once now do it again <laughs> <laughs> just to check that you you know whether you hated it as much mm. um but uh, yeah i i i really that movie and I know we kind of put Rampage and Need for Speed in there and it's sort of like why are they here but not just for sort of variety and spread but I think they do speak to different aspects of video game movies and you know we you don't really usually get racing movies although they have I think announced a Gran Turismo movie recently I think mm-hmm. Neil Blomkamp is are you not directing that for some I reason how, how you know cars what is there left to say <laughs> Just like, I was just turning the camera around a car a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just someone checking out their garage and like doing new. Yeah, look at the tire, changing the tires. <laughs> but people forget. I think Rampage was just a lot of fun. It's so weird. It's one of the earliest episodes, and people just don't really talk about it. But I think now it's on circulation on TV sometimes, and it's just. A lot of carnage and fun. It's definitely one of those... I mean, we've mentioned The Rock quite a lot on this podcast for his presence in He's receiving a fellowship. For his presence in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Jumanji, the next level, voice cameo in Free Guy, and 
Rampage. And he's also producing the It Takes Two movie. So clearly he's like into video games, at least if it makes him money at the box <laughs> office. Um, IPs, Why I love you... it. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, I said, I said the, was it the loud part soft and the soft part loud? <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it he's in there, I guess, in the sense that he is a... A, a stalwart of the of the video game movie realm. Ace Attorney, I think you liked quite a bit more than me. I was a bit cooler I on it. I just enjoyed its fidelity and its craziness. And I, just, I felt the director, Takeshi Miike, was able to do occupy loads of different genres in the same film. So, yeah, I appreciated the craftsmanship, perhaps. And although it was quite a bit disliked by fans and by non-fans and just generally everyone. But not one person. But not one person. <laughs> All muggins here. Uh, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City I still think is a, a really good adaptation and I mean that in the sense that if it was going to make a movie out of two video games and smush them together and have all the characters I think the choices it made worked really well i think it was a very smartly put together film and i just really dug the vibe that it had and having a horror movie with that kind of texture and tone and feel and um yeah so i think it's it it succeeded for me um in a way that it clearly didn't for a lot of people but hey I'm half of the podcast. Fifty percent. Fifty percent of my. I didn't my... hate it. I don't remember. I think I just found certain aspects a bit boring, and but I'll be bummed out if they don't make that sequel, which again they kind of promise at the end. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, no announcement yet. So I think if the if the question is, do any of these other nominees got what it takes to take on Mortal Kombat? Answer is probably a no. I know. I feel like but I... does Mortal Kombat will will Mortal Kombat sweep the board? <laughs> yes, like like Ben Hur, Titanic, and Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. Mortal Kombat could be in the same breath. <laughs> Maybe. I guess we're giving it to Mortal Kombat then. I think we have to. Nineteen ninety-five, not twenty twenty-one. We're yeah. not crazy. I mean, again, in a little way, I'm disappointed because maybe we did start this podcast to find films maybe better than Mortal Kombat. But um, no, I mean, you know, it's it knows what it is and it's a lot of fun. And the martial arts still hold up. And just it's just Paul Davis Anderson had something to prove, I think, with that film. It wasn't his first film, but it was his first Hollywood movie. And... Uh, it's just it's just eminently watchable and yeah i i think um i still get chills <laughs> still gives me chills when you know blue kang is facing shang Tsung and the music's kicking in yeah. and even and when, when the cliffhanger ending happens i'm like oh it's exciting what happens next on mortal kombat annihilation right away oh, maybe we should and like when Liu Kang is fighting Katana and there's a, a frisson or something between them and you think, well, why aren't they killing each other? Because that's what Mortal Kombat is. <laughs> Sorry. 
Well, this brings us on to our final award of the evening. I'm sure you're all happy to hear. Yeah, moustaches in the audience are twirling. You can't wait to get to the Vanity Fair after party. <laughs> I hear Elton John's got yes. his own bash happening down the road. Yeah, we're holding it at Sam's Chicken down the road. Uh, spared no expense. And that comes to, I guess this was the first category we decided we have to have. Mm-hmm. Beyond even best film. Because if there's something we love more than anything in a video game movie, it's a video game movie villain. And so, the best villain award, the winner will also receive the Games on Film Fellowship for services to video game movies. And the nominees are Raoul Julia for the character portrayal of M. Bison in Street Fighter. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa for his portrayal of Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat, 1995. Ian Glenn for playing Manfred Powell in Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Ian Glenn for playing the character of Dr. Isaacs in the Resident Evil series. Jim Carrey for his portrayal of Dr. Robotnik in Sonic the Hedgehog 1 et 2. And Dennis Hopper for playing King Cooper in Super Mario Bros. I got this image of all the faces of the actors all down there looking together, applauding themselves like in the Oscars. And the award will be presented by Billy Mitchell from the King of Corner Festival of Quarters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was a consideration for best villain, but I think it's it's rude to call real life people villains. Unless they're like a dictator. Yeah, or like the Prime Minister. All <laughs> same difference. Ooh. Oh gosh! Again, we've got some titans here. Like we love our villains so much. Will two Ian Glens cancel each other out in the ballots? I. They're both superlative performances. Um, I An mean, expert in all things cosmological. Yeah, I mean, we had a chat about this before the episode with Dennis Hopper. I mean, I love the man, but he's just a generic businessman, so I just don't... I don't. It's okay, you can... He spends his whole time shouting about plumbers, and, you know, just... Oh, just like my life. Oh, I can't get my (laughs) boiler fixed. (laughs) Yeah, no, Dennis, sorry. I much prefer you in Waterworld. I'm going to cross you out. But Jim Carrey is... He's new blood, question mark? Is he almost 60 now? I don't know. But um, he makes his films, doesn't he? I mean, sorry, I'm using a little bit of energy here. <laughs> We've reached the two-hour mark. We've reached so. the two-hour mark, but Jim Jim Carrey is... He's very entertaining, but... It seems bad if we don't give it to Raul Julia. But Shang Tsung is so good. We've oh no maybe we've created an evil sinister six or <laughs> how many are there are there with two Ian Glens. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Who do, you, well, who do you gravitate towards? I think I think best villain you have to go for who who serves the most deliciousness, mm-hmm. and I think Ian Glenn serves a lot of deliciousness. Yeah, because I I, th- I think with with. You know, he's just so good at being slimy. And 
like the villain in Lara Croft Tomb Raider, just so many wonderful turns of phrase, which just are lodged forever in my brain. Just all his remarks about pure light, fire and water. And just, you know, again, in Resident Evil, and I think he really comes into his own in Resident Evil, the final chapter, where he's playing, like, Dr. Isaac clones, and one, like, mad religious nut job. Hope and another sort of like, like Dr. Isaac clones. And, um, you know, one sort of cool, calm, collected, but, you know, still a sleazeball. And just the bit where he does, like, the, I can 100% predict your moves and drinks that whiskey tumbler. Like, <laughs> There's just, like, so many ripe juicy moments but i think it is like a a, a, it is a fight between m bison and shang Tsung in a mad street fighter mortal kombat crossover whoa and i i I think it's blowing my mind it's 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 a tough one and i i think on any other day i think to an extent kerry hiroyuki tagawa would pip it just for me because i think he has I think he has, like, this kind of gravitas, which is not to discount Raul Julie has his gravitas, but he's definitely in a goofier movie than Mortal Kombat. So, like, he is doing a great performance for Street Fighter, but I kind of, like, love just, like, listening to Shang Tsung speak and just everything but- he does and says, I just, like, really... I just dig it. One thing I know, though, we've been talking about the performances, but we should be talking about the villains. And I think where <laughs> I okay. think I think where M Bison pips Shang Tsung is that Shang Tsung, you can tell he's starting to lose his rag a bit towards the end. He's starting to get a bit annoyed by how good the heroes are doing, and he resorts to kidnapping. And then he's just very pissed off when it's Liu Kang and him at the end. I think M Bison, even as his base is collapsing around him he's not giving up and he's gonna kick the living shit out of guile and i think also i i guess where m bison and raul Julia's performance is so fantastic is just this kind of complete commitment this sort of wide-eyed sense of purpose and knowing that you know he's just like so confident in himself and in his vision of Bisonopolis mm. and just a world ruled by him. And you can kind of see how people are almost like swayed, not just because of his power, but just because he has this self-belief, which then makes other people, you know, to an extent, believe in him. I'm not sure everyone's like, I'm not sure DJ is convinced. <laughs> um, Zangief, well, he's just... Too he, stupid. He gets his hangers on because, you know, confident men tend to have less confident people following them. So, uh, I know from experience. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I love them both. And perhaps it's obvious, but I think M. Bison is for the win because he's a, he's a leader of men and also bonkers. Yeah, I think it's hard to compete with a performance so iconic and obviously there's a lot tied into um how it's like his last performance etc and i think no matter as we said before like street fighter is still considered a bad movie in the overall sort of video game movie canon we would disagree but you know whatever is said about that film everyone always points to raul julia as m bison as being the saving grace 
Um, and we can't not award him yeah. best villain status and a Games on Film fellowship. Yes. Today is hopefully the most important day of his life. But for us, it's just Tuesday. Just Tuesday, baby. We're recording on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Releasing on a Tuesday because of M. Bison. Very much because of M. Bison. I hope that, uh, yes, with the Fellowship, what that does, it means you have access to our Games on Film DVD collection. You can <laughs> borrow a movie from us at any time, but please return it to us within a week. Yep. Um, I think that's about it. That's the only benefit. day-old donuts. <laughs> Is this a joke? This money isn't worth the paper it's printed on. On the contrary, every bison dollar will be worth five British pounds. For that is the exchange rate the Bank of England will set once I've kidnapped their queen. Well, you know what? I'm very happy with this list. So just to recap... Piece of paper sound effects, boys and girls. For, so the best island start of the best island was Mortal Kombat Island. So it's not all bad news for Shang Tsung. Uh, Mortal Kombat Island, Shang Tsung's Island. We gave him five stars on TripAdvisor. <laughs> um, especially like the Pit of Skulls. Uh, best mutant or zombie or super soldier was Fly's Eyes and his undead army from Castlevania. A uh, hitman won the award for most awkward acknowledgement of video game origins. Just trying to read here. Oh yeah, the Ugly Sonic Award for best, uh, most egregious cameo went to Nolan North resting on the beach in Uncharted. Uh, the most diabolical plot was using special sunglasses to control, well, to access warriors' moves. It's almost impossible to describe. <laughs> Is that diabolical? Uwebol's best film is Postal. And Paul W.S. Anderson's best film is Mortal Kombat. I feel less bad about Raul Julia willing now. This might be only all of a Street Fighter. Uh, do you want to do the second lot? Uh, best music went to Tron Legacy. Best game based on a film, Goldeneye 007. Best performance by an actor, Sam Richardson in Werewolves Within. Best performance by an actress, Alejandra Reynoso, as Cypher in Castlevania. Best adaptation, TV series, Arcane, League of Legends. Best original film, Free Guy. Best animated film, Dragon Quest, Your Story. And best adaptation for a film, Mortal Kombat. And together, best Best villain is Raul Julia as M. Bison. In Street Fighter, Fighter. nineteen ninety four. Yay! <laughs> no, I think that's a good list. I think well deserved your check for no pounds was in the post. And yes, we'll we'll make sure that that's officially um, adjudicated and uh, all ballots were not spoiled, drug tested. <laughs> <laughs> well. It has been quite the journey, but a hundred episodes underneath our belt, hundreds more to come. <laughs> hundreds. Hundreds more. And special thanks to our guests that we've had on the show over the run. We don't often have a guest, but when we do, we very much enjoy having them come over to talk 
about video game movies, etc. with us. So thanks to Hamish Steele, to Will Preston, to Lisa Steele, to Luke Owen, Stephen Trumbull, Zeus Kempner, David Thayer, Dan Thomas, Gareth Swan, Anthony Figueroa, Edwin Davis, and also thanks to all you who listen. We would still do it without you, <laughs> but it makes it a lot more fun knowing there's also other people listening too. Well, thank you very much, Rory, for joining me on all the episodes, and today especially. And thank you very much, Harry. It's been very fun having something to talk about <laughs> with you. Yes, it's quite often when we're in a room together with no podcast to plan, we're like, well, what do we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> See any good video game movies recently? <laughs> no! No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We've done 100 fucking episodes. No, we've had a lot of surprises, a lot of fun, and uh, happy to keep on doing it. Yep, more to come, more to come. Not more to Kai. <laughs> Luckily not, based on the video game. Um, in the meantime, though, how can people continue to keep in touch with games on film? You can find all information about the podcast on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. All episodes of the show are available on Acast, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and basically wherever you get your podcasts, probably wherever you're listening now. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. You can also support the show. Links are on our website. We've got an Amazon wish list. You can buy us future episode content DVDs for us to look at. And there's also a coffee link as well where you can send us a little chunk of change. Not in bison dollars. We do not accept bison butts. We are anti-cryptocurrency. <laughs> you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com, and we're on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at gamesonfilmpod, so please do follow us there, because we share a lot of upcoming video game movie news and content that I'm sure people listening to this will enjoy. So follow us there, too. The music for this episode and all episodes was composed by David Lightfoot, who's also provided a special remix for our outro as well. So do please check him out, www.davidlightfootmusic.com. Well, until our next normal episode... Is any episode normal? No. (laughs) It's video game movies, baby. (laughs) I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.